Hello, and welcome to I Read a Book Once. My name is Emma, and this is a podcast where I talk about books. Today, I'll be talking about Love on the Brain by Allie Hazelwood, her very much anticipated sophomore out. Sophomore album, sophomore book follow-up to The Love Hypothesis, which if you hadn't heard of, you must be living under a rock. It was so popular. It was one of my favorite books from last year. And so now I'm here to talk about the second book. Before we get into it, let's talk about two things. First, let's talk about the fact that, okay, so some of you may or may not know that I record these episodes, if I can help it, a few weeks before they come out unless I'm running very much behind. And so this past week, the uh, When We Were Bright and Beautiful episode came out and I posted about it on Instagram. And the author of that book, Jillian Madoff, literally left me such a nice comment on my Instagram. So go check it out at I Read Book Once blog. I was so shocked. I've had authors like share my post on their Instagram story before. I've gotten a comment once before, but I was like really shocked because this seemed like a personal comment, not just like generic, like, thanks for your review. So she said she was going to check out my podcast. Um, Then I got very nervous because I was like, oh my God, what did I say in my episode about her book? And I mean, I obviously, I mean, if you listen to that episode, then you know I really liked that book. If you didn't, I'm telling you right now, I really liked it a lot. But that book is full of triggering content. It is about a um, the sister of an accused rapist telling her brother's trial and then also talking about her affair with an older married man. So there's a lot to... Uh, I was very hesitant. So the first part of the episode is me talking about how I was hesitant. But the title is that I've literally read that book twice already. I finished it and then read it again. So hopefully if she does listen to that, it's it's fine. I don't know. I'm like just a rando out here on the internet. Don't have too many people listening to me. Definitely never had an author, I don't think, listen to my podcast before. So, you know, uh, just just a little, little crazy, guys. A little crazy. But if I end up hearing anything more from her, if she does listen to that, I will let you all know. But that's not what we're here to talk about. So that's thing number one. Thing number two is I've had a sore throat for like six days. And I've taken COVID tests multiple times and they're all been negative. And I have no other like illness symptoms, just just this sore throat. And so I procrastinated recording this for like hours. So I was like, I don't know, maybe my throat will hurt. And as I'm talking, it's like all the way back, almost in my esophagus. So if any doctors are listening to this, can you let me know what might be wrong with me? I mean, by the time you hear this, I'll hopefully be better because I think this is coming out like three weeks from when I record it. But yeah, so anyways, you guys, none of that had to do anything with Love on the Brain, which is what I am here to talk to you about. So I guess let's get into it. Love on the Brain is a feminist romance novel. Basically, Ellie Hazelwood's whole thing is that she writes romance novels about women in STEM the Love Hypothesis was about um, a PhD student and then um, a professor. And Love on the Brain is about a neuroscientist and an engineer. And they're creating, basically, they're doing this project for NASA. Oh, that was something else I want to talk about. So they're doing this science project. Science. Pro- they're doing this project for NASA where they are creating these helmets that will stimulate the astronauts' brains to make them... Um, more focused and better at their jobs. And so the main character, B, 
is the neuroscientist and she's doing kind of the like neuro stuff and then Levi the main guy character he is the engineer and they're co-leads on this team however they have a past and are they nemeses which is something that is talked about throughout the book and so that is basically the premise is they have to work together but she hates him he hates her and so and they're being sabotaged um I don't know I'm feeling very loopy today I think it's my lack of human interaction my roommates are gone. Haven't seen anybody. Ooh, I'm going crazy. If this is your first episode with me, um, congrats to you. You're really just, you're just really receiving today. I'm just giving. I'm just giving. You know, lots of energy. Not all of it's good energy, but you know, you're receiving it. So with that, let's first issue a spoiler warning. If you don't want Love on the Brain by Allie Hazelwood to be spoiled, stop here. Go read the book. I would recommend it. I did enjoy this one. And then come back and listen to this episode. I have some fun things to talk about. I'm going to talk about, there's not necessarily controversy regarding this book, but a lot of people have said it is very similar to her debut, The Love Hypothesis. And so I will be analyzing if I agree or disagree with that statement. And I'm not going to give any spoilers here. You're going to just have to wait and keep listening if you want to find out what I think. So with that, let's get into the plot summary. So like I said, our main character is B. She works for NIH, which is the National Institute of Health out in Bethesda, Maryland, so in the D.C. area. And her boss sucks. And she is on the, what, what do they call this project? Uh, you know, the Astronaut Helmet Project. Blink. It's called Blink. All capital letters. And so she is so excited. She's like, oh my God, my life is great. I'm so excited to do this. This is my life's dream. And then she finds out that her co-lead is going to be Levi Ward, who was a fifth year grad student when she was a first year um, when they were doing their PhDs. And during that year of overlap, they only had one year of overlap and things were not good. He was, she tells the story of how he thought she was ugly. The one time they were supposed to work on a project together and he was literally like, no, I can't do it. I don't want to work with her and all this other stuff. So she is like, she doesn't like him because he obviously hates her. And obviously you hate somebody who hates you. You know how it'd be? And so she's like, oh God, I can't believe I have to work with this guy. So she's like kind of, you know, sad about that. But she's like, I'm not going to let it get me down. But B also has this whole, she has two things about her. One is that she loves Marie Curie. Basically, it's kind of like a running thing throughout the book that she like really idolizes her, looks up to her and like her groundbreaking science and being a woman in science and stuff like that. And part of that is that she runs this really famous Twitter account called What Would Marie Curie Do? And it's anonymous. Nobody knows who's behind it. And she basically makes posts just about being a woman in STEM and she'll like respond to people's posts when they say, what would she do if your male colleague passed off your idea as your as his own or something like that? And she gives them advice. And so we have that going on. And she has this friend on there named Schmackademics or something like that. And she just calls him Schmack. And they have like, con- they DM over, they're like internet friends, but they don't know each other's real names or who they are. But you know, they chat, whatever, whatever. And also... She was engaged to this man named Tim, and then uh, two years ago, or at some point in the past, he cheated on her with her best friend, Annie, and that both was bad because B and her twin sister, Reich, 
R-E-I-K-E. Don't know how you say that. And I did not look it up. They were kind of like bounced around and grew up all over the place because their parents died when they were really young. And then they like um, are bounced around from like family member to family member. So they've lived in all different countries, things like that. And so her chance, she just thought like being with Tim was her chance at permanence, but he betrayed her, his, her best friend betrayed her. So now she's like sworn off love forever. Okay, so that's the setup. So she goes to Texas to go to NASA to work with Levi. And when she gets there, things are not good. Basically, there's a lot of issues because none of her equipment's there. She doesn't even have a computer. Like she doesn't have a badge. She can't do her job. So, and she keeps emailing Levi and he's not responding to her. And so she basically confronts him and yells at him and he is confused. And she's like, why can I not get anything? What is going on? I'm going to go talk to Boris, who's the director. And he's like, do not do that. She's like, no, I'm going to do it. But then he gets there first and we end up finding out that um, NASA is trying to kill the project because NIH, since it's like a co-project between the two of them, right? NIH is like insisting on having part of the patent and NASA doesn't want that. They want all the credit. So they're trying to kill it now and bring it back in the next fiscal year when they have the funding for it. Because right now the reason they did the partnership is because they can't pay for it all themselves. Adam ends up getting some dirt and finding out that there is like another company in like Germany or something like that that is making the same technology as them and is like at the same point. So that way they're able to force NASA to be like, fine, you guys can work on it. And then he... They end up finding out that Levi has been responding to all of B's emails, but for some reason they weren't going through. And so, and they get her the equipment and they start working on it. And, you know, things are going well on the project, um, except, yeah, so things, you know, are going well on the project now that they figured that out. But B is, like, convinced that Levi hates her from all this other stuff. And then they end up, like, in the middle of the book, they end up being asked to go to this conference because the people, the competitors are going to be there presenting on the technology. So they have to go be spies. So as they're like on their way there, driving there, they end up like talking and Levi basically says like, I never hated you. I, I had the opposite problem. So he ends up, B understands it to be like he had a crush on her previously. And so she's like, what? Anyway, so they go to the conference and when they're there, they see both Tim and Annie and this is Levi the whole time up to now has thought that um, B has been married to Tim because he collaborated with Tim and Tim never said anything to him about it. And so he's shocked to learn this and she tells him all this different stuff. And then they end up having to see all of them because they run into their lab advisor and she's like, I'm retiring, come out to breakfast with all of the rest of the people who are in my lab. And so then they're there and Levi whispers something threatening into Tim's ear. We don't know what it is, but like we assume we know what it is. And then B ends up talking with Annie and they don't necessarily make up. The worst part is I, I was like, well, Annie must be in love with Tim and now they're together. No, they literally slept together and were together for like one week and then nothing. What? This is this. Here's a question for all of you. If your partner cheated on you. Would you rather they cheated on you with somebody that they ended up loving, marrying, or just being with for the rest of their lives, or cheating on you with somebody that they discarded the next week? Like, what? I don't know, because, like, I think, obviously, I don't want to be cheated on, but if I was, I think it would be better 
if I would feel better in the long run if they cheated on me with somebody else they ended up staying with because it's not about me versus I mean I guess it's not really about you at all it's about this other person but if they just like cheat on you and then they're just like done with this other person it's like why didn't you just break I don't know I don't know let me know which what you would rather have happened to you okay so anyway so then on the way back um they talk more blah 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 they end up kissing and then Levi gets a call and so now let me explain kind of Levi's personal life so two things you need to know one this relates to both of them there is this astronaut named Guy who works um at NASA he was originally kind of in charge of the lab but Levi transferred over to take over and B's like wow he's so cool that he's not like pissed off that he's not the lead on this project blah 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 he's also like tried to ask B out a few times except and also why Levi thought she was still married is that she wears her grandma's wedding ring on her ring finger on her left hand like a psychopath I mean that's really intense she's not like a psychopath but I mean I don't know why she's confused that people think she's married when she's wearing a wedding ring or any ring on her ring finger on her left hand Put that on another finger, girl. Just put it on your right hand. Put it on your middle finger. Put it on your pointer finger. Like, I don't know. There are other options for this. So anyways, he's around and he's one of Levi's good friends. And then Levi's best friend, I don't remember what his name was, ended up like passing away at some point in the like last year or so, just like tragically and randomly. And he left behind a wife and a daughter and the daughter has, um, epilepsy so and Levi apparently dated the wife but we find out later on that he dated her very briefly right before he met B and then when he met B he ended up breaking up with her um and then was with nobody else until then and then the wife and his best friend ended up getting together like shortly thereafter that so everything works out there's no feeling still between them but he gets a call from them after they've kissed and he has to go because Penny the daughter has had uh, um, a seizure so he's like going to help with that B doesn't know what's going on she's like oh my god anyways he ends up coming back and when they come back that like first day or second day back after the conference they end up figuring out the helmet and it works everything's perfect and Boris is like I'm scheduling a demonstration for next week so they literally have 10 days to make sure everything's ready for a demonstration with all the head honchos and things are going good with that. And things are going good with B and Levi. So B thinks they're having a friends with benefits relationship and Levi thinks they are dating and they are definitely dating, but she just doesn't, you know, want to commit because of fear. And, you know, they have some sex and they discuss kind of like all the misunderstandings from grad school and talk about their lives and blah, blah, blah. But she's still not understanding. She thinks like, oh, he's just excited because he gets to be with me and he used to like me. He doesn't still like me like that anymore. And then it cuts to the ending. So there's one other main thing that's been plot point that's been going through. So like I told you about the Twitter thing. So B has this RA, which I don't know what that stands for, but whatever. Basically an assistant. I'm sure the A is assistant. I don't know what R is for. Maybe resident. Anyways, who is like studying to go to grad school and to go to grad school you have to take the GRE and they talk about how the she her like uh, RA cannot pass the GRE she is or at least not going to get enough score to go to John Hopkins where she wants to go so they are she's trying to help her study and then as uh, her Twitter handle she posts about how the GRE is is like stupid because it is Basically, the only way you can do well on it is, like, to pay a bunch of money to get tutored and things like that, and it favors, like, rich white 
people and men versus women and minorities have a harder time like getting good scores on it. And so basically, you know, it's not a good test. It's not actually indicate. And there's also studies that show it doesn't actually indicate who's going to do well in grad school. So it's kind of pointless. Anyway, so there starts to be this campaign about like hashtag fair graduate admissions, basically saying like get rid of the GRE totally. So right before the, um, they're going to do the, um, the test, the demonstration for all the head honchos, somebody has, there's this news article that comes out saying that her Twitter handle was talking with like one of the like lead opposition members against like getting rid of the GRE saying like, if you pay me money, then, um, I, I'll like say support you or whatever, whatever. So her Twitter and they, she gets an email from the people with her name on it. So like she is, they're going to reveal who she is and she didn't send this information. So she's scared. They do the demonstration and guy gets a seizure and something goes wrong and she has no idea what goes wrong. But the only thing that could have been wrong is with her coding. So she takes full responsibility and basically quits so that they can still get blank, like funding and stuff like that. And then Levi comes over and she breaks up with him um, because he's like, I want to try and she is afraid of commitment. I don't remember exactly how it went down, but that's basically what happens. And he leaves her with this flash drive. One other thing you have to know is there's been this like mysterious cat in NASA that she's been feeding. And Levi's like, this cat is not real because she's seen it twice and he's never seen it. Anyway, so she is really upset and is trying to figure out what to do. And she ends up, like, after crying a long time, she plugs in the flash drive and she sees that it's security footage and that Levi has, like, put together footage of her cat that she, like, has been feeding around. And in the middle of that footage, there's something of somebody coming into her office and going on her computer. So she's like, oh, my God, that's how it's happened. So she goes there to first, like, find the cat and to investigate. And Guy shows up. And it turns out he's been behind all of this. He was the one who was, like, messing with the emails. He messed with the code. He is the one who, like, hacked her Twitter and, like, sent those messages. And now he's going to kill her because the whole reason he was doing it is he isn't getting any credit for this project when he was originally supposed to. Blah, blah, blah. She ends up, like, fighting. And then Levi comes and they kind of fight. And he ends up getting arrested. And then Blink does work and she stays on and she takes a job at NASA and her and Levi end up getting married and the epilogue is a really full circle moment and I'll talk about that here in the discussion section. So that is what happened in the book. I definitely skimmed over some things and yet the plot summary is long as always. I mean there's one thing you can count on in this podcast and that is that I will give you a detailed summary of what happens in the book. So that is why I have to warn for spoilers. I think sometimes like, should I rethink the formatting? Should I instead talk about plot points and then my feelings about these plot points? But then I think when I do my discussion section, I'm, that's not how I do it. I just have random thoughts. Speaking of my random thoughts, let's get into it. I think I should start at the end as I like to do and talk about the epilogue. So in the very first chapter, B talks about how Marie Curie got married in her lab dress, basically. 
and how that was super awesome. And so then she talks about in the epilogue how she did as well. So basically, there's this blue Target dress, which is the dress that she was wearing when there was this whole misunderstanding of Levi thinking she was ugly, but really he was just overwhelmed by her beauty and couldn't say anything about it. Because, I forgot to tell you this, but basically Tim was the, Tim figured out that Levi liked B and was like, Levi's, or, said B's uncomfortable with you and that is why he was like weird and like avoided her and all this different stuff and you know he was emotionally repressed there was like some family background like drama stuff that I just didn't get into but is in the book if you want to read about it so anyway so it's kind of a nice full circle moment in that they talk about her like also wearing this dress so I love a connection back to the very beginning of the book um if you haven't listened to my wait, there is no hating game episode because that was during my hiatus. If you listen to kind of some of my like, right after I got off my hiatus episodes, I talked about the hating game and how I love the epilogue in the hating game because it um is a real full circle moment from that first chapter to that epilogue. And it really just takes the book from a four to a five, in my opinion, it really just takes it up a notch. So um, I enjoyed that here. And in the love hypothesis, I really didn't care for the epilogue. I didn't think it added literally anything to the story beyond telling us like where Olive ended up um, doing her last year of grad school. So if you ask me, this is a much stronger epilogue. So props to Allie Hazelwood for getting the epilogue right this time around. That's really what I want to say about it. The other thing about the epilogue is that she reveals that they got married and he kept proposing to her, but she had a fear of him like leaving her. So she basically like drove to the courthouse and they got married like that and then they're going to have a reception. The other thing in the epilogue is they finally run that 5k they were training for during the book. I didn't mention any of that because it wasn't super relevant, but there you go. So that's what I have to say about the epilogue. There's a few like really minor things I want to talk about that I'll just mention here. So I said that B works or did work at, she was working at NIH, which is headquarters in Bethesda, Maryland, and I'm out in the DC area. And so I know a little bit about Bethesda, and I would like to say that I do not think Ellie Hazelwood does know anything about Bethesda. I say this for one reason and one reason only. She has B living out in Bethesda and this like crappy apartment and being super broke. Bethesda's like the rich area. Like people are really rich that live in Bethesda. And it's also close enough. One of my good friends, her roommate works for NIH. And, like, lives over on U Street, so kind of in the heart of D.C. And is able to get out to Bethesda for work when she has to be there. So, I don't understand why B would be living in Bethesda. Because, I mean, I'm sure there must be, like, apartments that aren't as expensive there. But she has a car, so there are different options for her that are less expensive. So, that's just weird to me. I thought that was odd. What other, like, little things that I want to mention? I guess also fainting. There was this thing that B has this, like, unexplainable, like, thing where she just faints when she gets super overwhelmed or super scared or something like that. And I was here for it. I enjoyed that plot point. She also cried every time she saw Roadkill because she is vegan. And I was also here for that. I don't know what that says about me that I enjoyed that as a plot point, but I did. I thought it was fun. I thought it like gave her some personality quirks. So let's get into that then. Um, let's, let's talk about the main thing. That thing that's on everybody's mind. Is this similar to the love hypothesis? There are a lot of people online that have basically said love on the brain is literally just the love hypothesis 
with a different science plot. And they're not wrong, but I didn't care, if that makes sense. So I'm going to kind of go through things that they talk about as being similar and then kind of get into my own feelings. So one thing you need to know is that the Lev Hypothesis is absolutely Raylo fanfiction, which is something I like forgot to mention in my episode, even though I knew it immediately, because if you look at the cover of the Love Hypothesis, that is clearly Adam Driver and Daisy, I don't remember her last name, I think it's her, I want to say Riddler, but I don't think that's right, but the characters Kylo Ren and Rey from Star Wars, the 7, 8, and ninth movies. And so she, obviously, Allie Hazelwood must have written a lot of Raylo fan fiction back in the day, and maybe still currently, I don't know. And so in fan fiction, you write about the same characters falling in love again over and over in different situations. So a lot of people have pointed out that Levi and B are very similar to Adam and Olive, who are similar to Kylo Ren and Rey. I don't really think that they're similar. I don't like Raylo because I think Kylo Ren is evil. Um, so I don't understand why the the shipping with like the Rey. It, it was the biggest frustration that I had with those movies. I mean, there were many frustrations, but that was one of them for me. But I don't necessarily mind, like, the love hypothesis I still liked anyways, even though it technically was that fan fiction, because you're taking out the fact that, you know, they're an evil person who killed their father and is basically, like, about genocide and all that is bad. That's all taken out, and so it's easier to get behind it, I think, um, because instead you have more of, like, a grumpy sunshine sort of um, relationship dynamic, which I enjoy. And that's kind of what's going on here in Love on the Brain is that, yes, so physically they are very similar in that the male main character is like a big, tall, broad man and the female character is like very short and small and cute and quirky, basically. And the male character is silent and like has been secretly pining for years, but his pining kind of comes across as hatred, blah, blah, blah. So like you can see that those are definitely similarities. Uh... I think if Allie Hazelwood in her next book, which I'm assuming she will get to write slash will write, um, if this is the same thing a third time in a row, I think that's going to be a really big issue for me. But like I went in kind of knowing that there were going to be similarities and I just didn't think about it too hard and had a fun time anyways. I do think that like there are differences between the characters in Love on the Brain and the Love Hypothesis. I think that like physical size wise yes and the idea of like silent brooding and like quirky they're also similar but I think if you look at like the characteristics of each of them they're different um the the big thing that bothered me that was similar is that I knew what the plot twist was immediately that guy was going to be evil because of the life hypothesis I mean I'm not I'm trying not to spoil the love hypothesis but um if you've read it, you know what I'm talking about. And if you haven't, um, then you don't. But basically, she used a very similar thing that she did. And the way that they found out that this, like the way that they proved that this person did it was also kind of similar with technology. So I didn't like that because like, you know, all along that someone's sabotaging and there's not too many options for who it could be because there's not that many characters that have enough screen like page time really. 
So it's like pretty clear it's got to be Guy and B even is like, wow, he's so cool. I would be like angry if I got kicked off of this. And so like, that's the thing that really did bother me is that it was like really obvious that that was going to happen. If that happens a third time, like that would be very hard for me to deal with. I think those are kind of the main, I guess the other similarity is that like this like brand of enemies to lovers. I actually really like Allie Hazelwood's style of enemies to lover in this book because they're not really enemies in that I love an enemies to lovers where like only one of the characters thinks they're enemies and the other one does not think they're enemies whether it's because they're in love with them or they just don't think about them or like they like them but they're just kind of an antagonistic person. I kind of like that because it makes it a lot more believable when they fall in love later. I hate enemies to lovers where the reason why they're enemies is like they killed your father or something like that. I'm like, I don't know if you get over somebody killing your father and falling in love with them. Not sure about that. So I like the enemies to lovers in this. I don't necessarily think I would say they're enemies to lovers in the love hypothesis. I think a lot of people hate Adam that are like characters in the love hypothesis, but Olive didn't know him. So it doesn't really work. And I think it's also different because the love hypothesis is fake dating and love on the brain is like coworkers. And then, like, enemies to lovers. I don't know. I think the tropes are different in the two books, but I understand why a lot of people are saying they're very similar. Let's talk about that thing that actually did bother me, is that B and Levi had too many weird similarities. They were both vegan. They both loved Star Wars. Like, the same exact movie was their favorite. They both loved the same exact type of music. Like, I feel like there were some other things, but I'm blanking on them now. So... It just like struck me as too so convenient that they're like it didn't bother me that they had the same mo favorite movie because like that happens but then like there was just all these other she's talking about like when she goes to his house the first time and she sees all the books and she's like he has 75% of my favorite books and we listen to the same music and things like that like, that just bothers me because I don't think it's really ever that just clean cut nice and easy the other thing else, I want to talk a little bit about, like, them both being vegan and just that idea of veganism for two reasons. One, I don't think I've ever, so I only know a few people who are vegan. Let's just say that right then, right here and there. And none of them are men. And none of them are, like, six foot four broad stocky men. I do know some of some men who are vegetarians, but again, they don't really look like Levi. That is not to say that somebody like Levi could not be vegan. It's just to say I've not met anybody who looks like Levi who is vegan. So if you know anybody who is like a large man who is vegan, please let me know because I don't know of any. And I, I would like to know if there are some out there or if that's just like something random here in this book. The other thing about like this book is like I feel very strongly that we should accommodate people's dietary restrictions. We should not make fun of them. We should not like not have accommodations or options for them and that we should respect them. Why do I say that? Because I'm gluten-free and I have dealt with all those things not happening and it's never fun. And so one of the plot points is that Levi's family sucks and he takes him to the steakhouse with B where all he can eat is a salad and then they like make fun of him basically. And that's just sucky. So this is my public service announcement that 
Don't be mean about your vegan friends. Don't be mean about your celiac gluten intolerant friends. Don't be mean about your vegetarian friends. Or I guess about should be two. Don't be mean to them. Think about them and like provide options. There's nothing worse than going out to a restaurant with your friends and you find out the only thing you can eat on the menu is the house salad. I'm just going to leave it there. Let's see. Like I said, there weren't any real surprises, but I didn't mind. Was this book kind of like I knew where, oh, I guess the other thing is that like, I forgot to mention this, but Levi is schmack. Oh my God. So the like DMs that she's been having with that guy on Twitter where they don't know each other, it turns out that it's the two of them. And I actually like kind of liked that part of the book, but there was so much dramatic irony in this book and that the reader knows immediately that Schmack has to be Levi because otherwise we wouldn't see any of these messages. They don't matter to us. Since they matter, since they are included, he must be him, if that makes sense. And so like it was kind of like obvious, but again, there weren't really surprises going on here, but I didn't mind. I had a good time. I would try another Allie Hazelwood book when it comes out, although I think that if it's the same thing again, moving forward from that, I might feel differently. I would be surprised if we saw another Allie Hazelwood book for book of the month, at least the next one. I would be shocked if it was on there because that's where I got this one. Um, But I do think there will be more and I'm open to reading them because I think that's it. Like, I've enjoyed the two that I have read. I will not be reading her novellas um, because I don't want to pay for a novella because they are short. Finally, I would like to say that the side characters were really fun, but I don't really have time to speak about them. But there were these two characters, Bees, Are, Rosia, Ro, I don't know, was like this like emo chick who uh, was into like, it's like Wiccan and into just very dark and then she ends up falling for Levi's like project coordinator girl Kaylee who's like very preppy and we love a goth and a prep we love that relationship together they were very funny very cute together and I was here for it and like the other side characters like there's like really only one time where we meet Penny and her mom who I don't remember what her name was but they were fun um, B's twin sisters fun. So there's just a lot of fun side characters as well that I enjoyed. So the worst thing is when you read a romance book and you don't care about literally anybody other than the main characters or just any sort of book and all the side characters suck. We love some side characters that breathe some life and energy into the book. So with that, let's give it a rest. Give it a rest. Jeez, let's just, we're just gonna move on to the ending section because my throat is hurting. So I need to drink some water. And it's also around dinner time because I procrastinated. So I also have to go make myself some dinner. So uh, let me see. Please rate, review, and subscribe to my podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. And I don't know if you can do it anywhere else. But if you can, please do that. I would It would mean a lot to me and it would help other people find my podcast. Also, go follow my Instagram at I read a book once blog. While you're there, you can DM me your thoughts, feelings, and opinions on this book, podcast, or episode. That was not in order of how I normally do it, but please feel free to just chat with me. And if you don't have an Instagram or don't like Instagram, you can do the same thing by emailing me at iwriteabookonesblog at gmail.com. Finally, next week, I don't know what you will be listening to because I am going home and my aunt sent a bunch of books for me to read 
So I will be picking up one of those, but I haven't decided and I'm not there. So I don't know what I'm going to do. So next week will be a surprise. Sorry for anybody who is reading along, which I think is no one. But if you're out there, sorry about that. So with that, this was I Read a Book Once. My name is Emma and I'll catch you guys next time.